Hello, this is Historically Thinking's Commonplace Book for the week of December 16th, 2018. It's an eventful week in the history of the American Revolution. December 16th, 1773 was the Boston Tea Party. On December 19th, 1777, Thomas Paine's The American Crisis was published in Philadelphia. Washington had it read to the soldiers of his army before their attack on the British outpost at Trenton. And a year later, Washington and his army entered into winter camp at Valley Forge. Surgeon Albigence Waldo of Connecticut recorded in his diary on the 21st, Preparations made for huts. Provision scarce. Sent a letter to my wife. Hardly wish myself at home. My skin and eyes are almost spoiled with continual smoke. A general cry through the camp this evening among the soldiers, No meat, no meat. The distant veils echoed back the melancholy sound, No meat, no meat, imitating the noise of crows and owls, also made a part of the confused music. In the history of holidays, or more specifically, in the history of the celebration of Christmas, December 18, 1882, witnessed the premiere of Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. Surprisingly enough, it was not a runaway success. Its popularity in the United States only came about in the 1950s, perhaps one of the strange counter-phenomena of the Cold War, along with the popularity of vodka, the Moscow Mule. December 19, 1843, saw the publication by Charles Dickens of The Christmas Carol. Unlike The Nutcracker, that was runaway success, even though it did not earn Dickens much money initially. One reason for that, an expert has written, was that Dickens designed the externals of his book with meticulous care he applied to its contents. It would be, he instructed his publishers, a handsome five-shilling production, brown salmon, fine rib cloth, blocked in blind and gold on front, in gold on the spine, all edges gilt. Dickens spared no expense. John Leach's half-dozen illustrations should be colored, he instructed. The result was a book whose production costs and relatively high price, five shillings, meant that this most popular of works returned on its first 5,000-copy print run, small profit for Dickens. But by the end of the year, 11 more editions had been printed, and by February of 1844, less than two months after The Christmas Carol's appearance, there were at least three theatrical versions of A Christmas Carol in production. So watching the movie or the play or the one-man show with Captain Picard is not necessarily cheating. People were doing it at the time. Finally, December 21st is the anniversary of the births of two eminences of the historical profession. Born in 1870, Charles Homer Haskins was a prodigy, graduating from the new Johns Hopkins University with a Ph.D. at the age of 20. He taught for a few years at his alma mater, but Hopkins lost him, as it did so many of its first children, to the University of Wisconsin and then to Harvard in 1903. Haskins was a medievalist, and he was one of the first to put forward the proposition that there had been a renaissance of the Middle Ages, something now tedious and commonplace, but at the time revolutionary. He was also a professor as public servant in the English tradition exemplified by Alan Bullock and many others. A classmate of Woodrow Wilson's at Johns Hopkins, Haskins remained close to the future president, and he participated in the American delegation to the Versailles Conference in 1919. Leopold von Ranke was an even greater eminence than Charles Homer Haskins. 
not only for the historical profession in his own Germany, but throughout the world, in Europe, the Americas, and Asia. More than anyone else, von Ranke has claimed to be the father of modern historical study. A Saxon, the son of a Lutheran pastor, born in 1795, von Ranke studied philology at the University of Leipzig. He first taught classics in the gymnasium system, and he began to write there about more modern topics. His first book gained him a post at the University of Berlin, where he would be for the next 50 years. There he taught his students in seminars, emphasized the study of primary sources, particularly the careful assessment of their value, what some call sourcing in historical thinking. Neither Ranke nor his immediate students wrote a book devoted to his philosophy and method of history. Insofar as he left behind his ideas, they appear here and there in his works and in his diaries as sometimes cryptic epigrams. Here are a few of von Ranke's diary entries. From 1814. But it is not for the past as part of the present, but for the past as the past, that man is properly concerned. From about 1843. To accomplish anything in history, there are three requirements. A sound understanding of people, courage, and honesty. The first, simply for insight into things. The second, not to be shocked at what one finds there. And the third, not to dissemble in any particular, even to oneself. So do the simplest moral qualities govern, even in science. And from 1877, January, by which time von Ranke was retired, widowed, and blind. The proverb tells us that poets are born. Not only in the arts, but even in some scholarly fields, young men develop into full bloom, or at least display their originality. Musicians and mathematicians have the expectation of attaining eminence in early years. But a historian must be old, not only because of the immeasurable extent of his field of study, but because of the insight into the historical process which a long life confers, especially under changing conditions. It would hardly be bearable for him to have only a short span of experience, for his personal development requires that great events complete their course before his eyes, that others collapse, that new forms be attempted. And that's the Historically Thinking Commonplace book. If you like this podcast, then join the Historically Thinking Facebook page, or why not subscribe to Historically Thinking's weekly newsletter, Notanda, for a roundup of links and ideas mostly related to history. You'll find the subscription link at the top of our website, historicallythinking.org. I'm Al Zambone, right in the corner where you are.